picture it. Sicily, 1922. I'm Christmas Day. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells. And now, on with the opera. Let joy be unconfined. Let there be dancing in the streets, drinking in the saloons, and necking in the parlor. Once again to Killers, Cults, and Nutjobs 2.0, where we cover all kind. I'm, as always, the great white snot, Scotty J. Across from me is the lovely and twisted Monica. <coughs> my sound last me tonight, folks. I'm still fighting a cold that my um, lovely Petri dish nephews have given me. Did it double up on them? Well, you know, it, Mom and I have been fighting this thing since Christmas. And it seems like every time we just seem to be getting over it, Matt, come, Matt comes in with something new. And it's not Matt, it's Jamil. And just starts to, uh, just starts to cycle over again. Although today he did learn a new word. I was trying to get to the trying to get to the bathroom. I had to go, and he, he kept wanting me to pick him up, and I'm like, "What is this? Christ, kid was Jesus Christ!" And I'm like, okay, I learned a new one. Okay. Well, the other day when I was off, I, I was he he likes to follow me into the bathroom to make sure I'm doing what I say say I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, he turned up with some like, secret, you know, do away, go away, go away. The lie I got a secret passage in the bathroom was going to take me yeah, out of my car. Uh -huh. So, I go, to, I go in and he, I start getting adjusted. He goes, Why are you naked? <laughs> You're naked to take a shower. Why are you naked? Oh, and before we get into it, for those of you who are curious, my father is now part of the Heritage Not Hate group. Of course. You know, for Well, according to him, the, the real treason started when we started taking down Confederate monuments. Well, yeah. Obviously. Because they're history, and I'm like, Okay, but whose history? Mm -hmm. You know, is, is it is it right for like the African American people in the southern communities to have to walk by these monuments to white supremacy all the time? Yeah, that's not their history. Mm -hmm. When I read that, I'm like, you really don't want to get into this argument with me. Well, he's actually really like right. He was actually born and raised here in San Diego, Illinois. Okay, yeah, my father was like, wasn't even... No, he went to the same high school I did. Some of the people I know were in Pennsylvania and grew up like that. Well, he said, and, and this is a direct quote that I'm pulling up. 
Religious species doesn't doesn't change the past, so keep them up as a reminder to never go back again. But he wants to go back. So yeah. Oh, I did see a did see a book I'm thinking about sending you. How to read cemetery monuments. No, I think it's about reading headstones because I know you like to go um, to different cemeteries. So, yeah, the more kind of famous people, you know, like some people just like to go around cemeteries no matter what. I'm right. like, well, I mean, you know, if there's like certain. Well, like, there's one person famous in it, so. You know, if there's like some, you know, like a, a hidden, or not really a hidden, but there's like some. Um, type of marking that you don't know what it means. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, I just saw it, I'm going to order a copy, and I said, I should order one for Monica. She might like that. Yeah, my son and son of Ted Bundy's corners. Oh, nice. Like, they're crying again. We <laughs> speaking about that, we, my daughter and I were talking about, um, Richard Speck, and, um, DC the other day. I told her the bridge where Gacy dumped the bodies from me. Like, if it, it would have been my son, he would have pulled over first. Gacy, when you see a car standing on the road at one thirty in the morning, you're not thinking, oh, he's dumping a body in the river. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're thinking, oh, he's having car problems. Yeah. You know, my, my son would be like, you dumping a body? Did you do it right? Did you make sure that there's enough holes in it so that the gases don't build up and bring them back to the surface? What are you weighing, weighing down with? Oh, that's not going to work. Yeah. Why don't you just go dump them in the woods? I know a few spots. I'll show you. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just like when he was not quite at all. Like put him in the Pennsylvania groundhog. Oh, nice. He was dumped, too, because he could That's coming up soon. Yeah. And then, what, yesterday, I did, like, I'm sure I could have said something to me does this grave. Yeah. That was cool. I didn't think that they were buried out there. Well, because they were from Princeton. Oh, well, I didn't know. Like, somebody, which, like, in, it's like under in all the, what's it, Princeton area. Right. So, I uh, came back. So, but it was like, cherish your mom's, yeah. yeah. Right. Alright, folks, we're going to get into our, our Valentine's Day episode. Well, episodes, but... We just we just sat back and we kind of decided we would do something nice for Valentine's Day. And you know, we wanted to cover a, 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 a couple who were lovers who were on the wrong side of the law. And who better to kick, kick this off with than Bonnie and Clyde? Now, you know, Monica and I have both been married at one point in our lives, and, and right, if your husband had came up to you and said, honey, do you love me enough to go on a crime spree with me? Better love me enough to love you enough to let you sleep in my room, what are you talking yeah. about? Uh -huh. When my ex-wife came up and said that, I'd be like, um, nah, don't love you that much, babe. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you have to make a couple kids, but that's about it. Yeah. Say some some future man decides he wants to some some future boyfriend's like, listen, you love me enough to go on a crime spree. Yeah, because he's gonna be rich enough that he don't have to go on a crime spree. Oh, right. Right. He's, he's gonna Oh, he's coming up. Yeah, well, not being on the show. No. I mean, hell, he could end up on our show. We don't know. True, that's why I feel like we need to have him first dibs up. So. Right. That's why I told anyone I know that to go on a, go on a, a murder spree that I get first dibs because I, I want to, you know, feel like Larry King. Alright, call from Omaha. You're next. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get on with Bonnie and Clyde. Clyde Barrow was born in 1910, but we're not quite sure what the actual date is. His mother said it was 1909, but she wrote March 24th, 1910, the Family Bible, and by God, if it's in the Family Bible, it's official. Clyde was the third son of Henry and Cummie Barrow. I have so many jokes lined up for that name, but I'm not going to touch them. They lived in Teleco, Texas, where his parents had a small farm. Now, Cummie made sure the children got an education, and you know, since you're in Texas, you're part of the Bible Belt, you went to church. I said, all right, church. When Clyde's brother Buck became a teenager, they began attending cockfights. Because you don't know what cockfight is, it's two roosters going at it in a pen to the death. Usually the death. And they put like little spurs on their uh, feet to, to, to inflict more damage. I got that from watching Roots. I learned about cockfights from watching Seinfeld. Well, I, I was watch, I watched the original week when uh, Ben Green was Chicken George. Uh, yes. And because he was the best cock trainer in all the county, and um, you don't want to know how bad I was hurting from not making jokes. So Clyde somehow got a hold of a rooster to enter the fights. Now, mom. Longer sons, turned a blind eye to their activities, but his sister, Neil, knew Clyde stole the rooster. And man, that could have been dinner. Well, it probably was if it it died. So Tony feared that Clyde would follow in his his brother's footsteps in the crime, so she concentrated on saving his soul. Unfortunately, Clyde was seven years younger than his brother. Well, and I kind of looked up to Buck. Clyde also looked up to Jesse James and Billy the Kid. Has this one been too far? 1910? No, those guys would have been dead at least a good 30, 40 years? During the 1980s? Yeah. About that, so I mean, yeah. Still within relative memory of the older generation. 
I was holding his guns and he had a bad temper and remembered every slide against him, which that, that's not a good combination there, folks. The kids would spend part of the year living with their Uncle Frank in Corsicana, Texas. The kids would help out on the farm since Frank was more successful. And this might have been done to make sure that the kids had something to eat when, you know, mom and dad really couldn't provide food on the table for the kids. When World War I ended, a crisis hit the American farmers because you know, we were producing so much to send over to the war effort, and when that was done, the farmers kind of took a big hit in production. Having a company new staying on the farm was not going to be a good idea, so after the older kids moved out and got married, they moved the family to Dallas. So they moved into a tent city in West Dallas in 1922. There were many factories around, but Henry decided to be a junk man and hitched his horse to an old wagon. Henry would go into Dallas and look for junk that he could turn into money. Now to a young man like Clyde, Dallas offered a world of distraction. Now they didn't stay in a tent city long, I mean, they... He did build, like, a small hovel for them to live in, but still wasn't the, the best of situations, especially in that early, early 1920s in Dallas. At this point, Clyde wanted to be a musician. He could play the guitar, and he had a good singing voice. The windows of the local department store had things that Clyde wanted. We were all there at that young age. You know, I'm sure you, you went down, went in the town. Uh, I'm sure you went in the, like, downtown Philly and saw the, uh... Yeah, well, I would go to, you know, and sometimes I'd go to Chicago with my grandma and, you know, see the displays and the windows and... Well, where they found mannequins, was the... Right, he took me past it. Watermakers, yeah. Mm-hmm. How... That was interesting. It was funny. Well, those big, yeah, the one they all time back in the 80s. Right. Philly's been in a lot of good movies. Of course, the well, Bones. Chicago, too. Yeah. Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller, the Blues Brothers. Ferris Bueller. <laughs> the Dark Knight. Um. I want to see parts of. No, parts of Road to Perdition were filmed out near me. Yeah. Um, I never liked that one, honestly. It, it was a um, part of Public Enemy was filmed out here near me. Oh, yeah. Well, that was good. Yeah. Right. Uh, when uh, Johnny Depp was here filming for the day, they uh, used a high school um, cafeteria to feed the crew. Mm-hmm. And my niece got to meet Johnny Depp that night. He came out, said hi to the fans, and talked with them. And did some autographs, but... Yeah, but still. Okay. Um, That's cool. So. Uh, TV show Fargo was filmed out here not too long ago. Chris Rock was in town. Mm-hmm. I wanted to find him and say, can you make a Pooty Tang Part 2? Just so you can go back and say... Jesus Christ, what, man, when Poutine 2. I'm sorry, Poutine is a great movie. 
Chapter 10, Walk a Tie on the Sydney Side. Okay. Laura, at the age of 16, Clyde decided he was going to drop out of school. Why not? He took a job at the Brown Cracker and Candy Company to help the family out. When he had a job, he wanted to rise against the rigid social class in Dallas, which, I mean, the, the social class was all over back then. Rigid. We're going, we're getting out of the 19, getting out of World War Tongue, World War Tongue, yeah, I can talk today. World War One. The Great War at the time, so. Yes, the Great War at the time. And we're, we're entering, you know, the 1920s, jazz and swing and prohibition and mobsters and, you know, the roaring 20s. Clyde was from the poor section of town and wanted more for his life. Factory work wasn't going to do it. So Clyde changed jobs, which, you know, we do. We take jobs that offer more money than what we're making at this one place. Now, he tried to enlist into the Navy, but he was rejected. Or so was you, Clyde. At least on that part. So... Clyde began his criminal career by stealing chickens to feed the family. Around this time, Clyde began to date a girl named Eleanor Williams. He wanted her initials tattooed on his arm and overtime money to spend on her. In late 1926, Clyde and Eleanor had an argument and she left town. Clyde wanted her back, so he rented a car and had her mom drive him to Burnett's where she was staying with an aunt. The reunion was short-lived as the police arrived. Clyde didn't tell the rental agency he was leaving town with the car, so when he didn't return the car, they called the police. If Clyde had been smart and talked it out with the police, things could have turned out differently. Instead, he decided to hide in the attic. Yes, he did. So the police took the car, which made Clyde hitchhike. Just on that for a second. Which made Clyde hitchback to Dallas. Leaving the family on the way home. And of course. When Clyde arrived back in Dallas, he was arrested for the car theft. Eventually, the charges were dropped and he was set free. Eleanor stood by her man and waited for him. Eleanor played fun with him in the loop, but she realized he had no intention of marrying her, and she came home and left his life. Smart girl, then. Oh, you thank God, smart girl. Uh-huh. He had been out of jail for three weeks when he was arrested, along with Buck. They were arrested with a truck made of stone turkeys. Buck would take the bone if Clyde was released. While Clyde was not sentenced, two arrested were more criminal on the police radar. Police were aiding the suspect in future crimes. While Clyde continued to have low-paying jobs, police would show up at work to question him. While no charges were filed, he ended up having to walk back to work and not be paid for the time lost. He dated other women and some who, whose names also ended up tattooed on his arm. It's like the old joke, you know, you, you see, you like, you know, there's one up here crossed off, and there's another one crossed off. Yep. To keep the tally list here, I wonder, honestly, when I read that, I wondered how Bonnie felt about all that. Yep. One girl, 
white nest eggs to supplement his income and the trip to Mexico he planned with Gladys. Five pounds were all that's left. Clyde would steal a car, drive it to Oklahoma to sell and get $100. Dallas police knew Clyde, so he went to Denton to North and Wicklow. I wonder what, what, what the plans would be with Amos the future. Right. The Amos? Okay. So he went to Denton at, to the North and Waco to the South to steal cars. Okay, but he didn't actually as well. On August 13, 1928, Buck was picked up in San Antonio for stealing cars. Charges were dropped after his father showed up in court and no car was stolen. Muhammad Buck is such a nice boy. Buck would not do such just just such awful things. <coughs> <coughs> Clyde had a new friend by the name of Frank Claus. Oh, oh, wasn't there a movie with Vince Vaughn? Yeah, Frank Claus, no. Yeah. You know, that kind of clip is, that clip is a run on my way. That was a movie with Vince. He played Sandra's little brother. Yep. Paul Giamatti. Played Santa Claus. I remember so much. <laughs> right. Why? Now let's believe that they met while they were in custody together, because you know great friendships start in jail. Frank was known as a second story man, which meant he was a guy who broke into houses and businesses. Sometime in the fall of 1929, the three men were picked up on suspicion of planning to rob a lumberyard. They were released, but picked up again on suspicion of another crime. They were released again, but no evidence was found. You know, I had that happen once. I, I, I got arrested for driving on a suspended license. And I was picked, it was on my birthday. I got picked up. I had to wait until the morning when the judge was in court to make my appearance and get out. I get out, I go pick up my car, I'm driving home, and get picked up again for driving on a suspended license. Got another feeling. Well, I, I had a stick shift at the time, and not too many people know how to drive a, a manual transmission. In 1929, the stock market crashed, which brought in the Great Depression. Now, if you thought this was going to stop Clyde, you're wrong. On November 29th, Clyde Buck and a guy named Sidney Moore stole a Buick and drove it to Henrietta, Texas. They abandoned the Buick for a Ford and found a house to rob. But the robbery didn't that much. You know, a little cash and some jewelry. They were on their way back when they stopped at a motor mark garage to break into. They tried to crack the safe but failed, so they took the safe with them. A patrol car saw them, and Clyde decided to outrun the car, because, you know, what are you going to do when the cops are chasing? You're going to gun and get out of there. Clyde took a quick turn and wrecked the car. The men decided to run when Buck was hit twice by the shooting police. There were fresh wounds, but it was enough for the police to capture Buck. 
Moore surrendered and Clyde hit. In January 1930, Buck was sentenced to Huntsville for four years. Clyde was 19 in, it, in between jobs. His parents hoped this would scare him straight, but, well, guess what, Mom and Dad, it didn't work. Now, Clyde didn't tell his parents that he was being looked at for several other crimes because he never kind of ruined their, uh, ruined their dinner there. So Clyde, up met, uh, Clyde met up with his old friend Clarence Clay, who invited him to a party. On January 5th, 1930, Clyde or went with him to 105 Herbert Street, where he met Bobby Hancock. She was born on October 1st, 1910, in Rowena, Texas. Her mother, Emily Clarence Parker, believed her family was better than everyone. Most men in Rowena were farmers, but Emma's husband was a pork mason, which made her mother believe they were at the top of the social ladder. Since life in Rowena has evolved around First Baptist Church, Emma was in the middle, showing off her children. In December of 1914, Charles died. No clues was given, but everyone expected. She packed up her three children and went to Cement City near Dallas. This was a decline in the social ladder for Emma, so she found a job as a seamstress. But this did not stop her from thinking she was a queen. Parker was described as an adorable terror from setting fires... <laughs> to reading her grandmother's wine stash. Oh, she did what she wanted regardless of consequences. And I have to say, there's only one queen, and that was Freddie Mercury. Bobby had a temper and held grudges. From an early age, Bobby caught the attention of the boys in her class. When she became 15, like all girls, she was into fashion and makeup. She would listen to the flapper walk that was sweeping the country. Reported she arrives with Bobby during this period. Bobby had big dreams like singing on Broadway or being a movie star in Hollywood or a published author of poetry. These dreams were impossible, but Bobby refused to believe it. She was a, she was a poor girl in Cement City with no future. Even if she dropped out of school, there weren't many jobs outside of factory work or being a maid. Bobby believed she could find a rich man to marry and fulfill her dreams. The goal of every girl. Find that rich man to make your dreams come true. Unfortunately, you all end up with the fried coke from the Waffle House. Bobby met Roy Thornton in high school. He was well-dressed, good-looking, and had money to take her out. Bonnie fell hard and quickly for Roy, and on September 25th, 1926, they married. Well, time moved in last because problems began immediately. Roy had a mysterious way of making money, and even though they lived near her mother, Bonnie missed her. So Emma told the movie loves to move in with her. Bonnie wanted kids, but an unspecified gynecological problem left Bonnie unable to have children. I, you know, I don't know what that could uh, that could have been. I mean, I thought about it. Um, could, is it? I'm wondering if it was possible she could be born barren. Is, is it a possibility? 
Because, I mean, Bonnie right here, she, she's in her early, you know, late teens, early 20s. You know, and I get it. You get married. You want to have kids. But only was I, but only was I that lucky, you know, to be born that way. You know, sometimes the dream doesn't quite work out the way you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, you think the child's born with nine 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 on his forehead. But I, I get it. But I, I personally, I try to think what could have been the problem? Could she have been born banged? Could could she have fallen in her youth and damaged herself to where she couldn't have kids? Or yeah, especially back then, also right. Because I, I don't think you know. I mean, if there would have been a uh, a backstreet abortion, yeah, there, there would have been some family family mention of it. Or maybe not until he's still trying to keep right. some semblance of respectability right. and, you know, with everything else. But that was yeah. so long ago. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just hard to say. Yeah. But kind of knowing how Bonnie's life is going to end up maybe is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Now, in August of 1927, Roy worked for 10 days with no word. He began to drink heavily and even hit Bonnie when she brought it up. Well, that man just went down in my book. In October, he left for 19 days. Bonnie saw her dream life slipping away, but would not consider divorce. Then, in December, Roy left Bonnie again, and she believed he was seeing another woman. Bonnie had gone on some dates and tried to look for work. She found work at the Hargraves Cafe. Bonnie liked to dress well, which has led to speculations that she engaged in prostitution. But even if she did in that, that time, not a lot of, not a lot of options open to her. Roy came back in January of 29. She told Roy they were through they were, they were through since she was making her own money. A few months later, Roy was picked up for robbery and sentenced to five years. Once he went to prison, Bonnie never saw him again, or did she try to communicate. She did not divorce him and continued to wear her wedding ring, because her thought was, why kick the man when he's down? Yeah, you're going to go away for five years? Why kick you when you're down, bud? Yeah. So, when the stock market crashed in October of 29, Bonnie was out of work. She still had her dreams of starving, but reality was starting to creep in. In January of 1930, Bonnie went to a party at her brother's house. Buster brought in a stranger that caught Bonnie's eye. Young Clyde Burrow met Bonnie Parker and they became inseparable. And that's where we're going to leave our, our star-crossed lovers this week. So, stay safe out there, folks. Right. The entire country is under still warning. Right, we're recording this. Uh, as we're recording this, most of the uh, 
Ingalls is under a snow uh, winter storm advisory. Mm -hmm. So I would I get like six feet. Oh, I had like you know, like four feet. Well, I know last week on my birthday when uh, I tried to go to work, mm -hmm. it was a wall of blowing snow the minute I got out of town. So I said nope. Yep. I, t I couldn't even see the road to turn around on. I didn't, I didn't know yeah, if I was going to the ditch. Yeah, so. So I just, I called work. I said, hey, I'll take the hit for mm -hmm. calling in 15 minutes before I'm supposed to be there. But it's a wall of snow. I ain't coming in. And yeah. uh, the night manager, Angel, she was like, I heard the roads were bad. Don't worry. I said, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm you get started here, you're not there then. You're dead. You have to hire somebody else. <laughs> so, uh, you know, my mom and grandma always said, there ain't no job worth losing your life over. Yeah. And I got 17 miles of open country to cover to get to work. Yeah, so it's... I mean, I'd get a dog sled, but I can't find my ex-girlfriends or my ex-wife to hook up a sled to. Yeah... <laughs> Much, much. I don't know if I'd put my ex-wife or a band at the head of the pack, but, you know. Neither one of them is going to pull the slide, so I'm probably going to have to shoot them. Yeah, that was good. And then they're still not going to go to work, so. Yeah, I'm still not going to be there, so hey, go think. Yeah. <laughs> So, yes, everyone out there, uh, stay safe, stay cozy, read a book, but get, get caught up on some streaming. Um, I just finished watching Natalia speak, so that was good. I gotta start getting, I, I gotta start getting into some Gypsy Rose Blanchard because I want to talk about it. Because my son, of all people, came up with some ideas on what could have happened. Yeah, hang on, too. God, God, Alex would be a trip. Mm -hmm. Even more than James? <laughs> Alex would actually sit there and discuss the crime with you and be like, would be like, well, why didn't they do this? If they, if they had done this, they could have got away with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Bundy, please, elaborate. Mm -hmm. But no, I mean, I, I want to do a little research on Munchausen by proxy because the poor girl was, was a victim of it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't blame her, but there are other ways. But Mostly of that for the Gypsy Rose Blanchard show. Now, some of you who got A&E, you can watch the, uh, um, Casey Anthony's parents hook up to a lie detector. That was interesting. I'm, I'm not going to give it away in case some of you have not watched it, but it, it was a good show. It, it confirmed a few things for me, but... I'd be more interested to see Casey on a lie detector. 
Pastor Tim McCloud blow with ass. Is your name Casey Anthony? Yes. Yeah, you're in Vegas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's much. Um, the lie detector test determined you were lying about your name. Yeah. That's, that's another case I'm going to talk about this year's Casey Anthony. Okay. I mean, she, she's cute, but I'm untrusted with my kids. Yeah, they're watching that on Friday, Friday, on Thanksgiving. They help it. Yeah, it's like, uh, there's like Jody Arias, you know, or Jody Aries, you know? She's heat, she's cute, she's hot, but you're probably going to blame while, while you sleep. Yeah, well, it's just kind of like with AJ, like, seriously? Like, what? What do I just say here? So, right. That's what it is. I remember watching that car chase. Hey. That was so... It's like, really? Can I hold up this because old kids on the run? Uh-huh. Hey, nothing like he was back in football. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Alright, folks. You know where to find us. Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, for Killers, Cults, and Nutjobs. I'm Scotty J. Say goodnight, Monica. Good night, Monica.